What's up, everybody? I'm Kyle Hamilton, All-American Safety for University of Notre Dame, and I just want to say thank you for tuning into the Full 10 Yards College Football Podcast. to the full 10 yards college football podcast it's me it's lee i'm here on my lonesome here today all the other lads are a bit waylaid and a bit busy doing other things so i'm here to give you a week two review plenty to get through um probably keep this quite short because it's pretty difficult to talk to yourself and you'll probably get bored of me listening to me the whole time so yeah i'm just going to whiz through give a few shout outs to some results that went down over the weekend shout out about the uh, the bigger games the ones that we can discuss maybe now winners and losers and the big headline acts for week two in the college football stakes um yeah like i say got a couple of bits of injury news to shout out to and then obviously look forward to next week um but yeah we've no one else to welcome in. i'll just dive straight into it so obviously the headline act this week was oregon traveling to the horseshoe to play at ohio state and uh, yeah, I mean, we uh, we kind of joked in our winners and losers column, or Andy did at least, saying that we uh, we should have been called out by freezing cold takes because once we saw that Kayvon Thibodeau was out and in street calls on the sideline, uh, yeah, we thought that this would be one-sided. But really, you know, it's a massive, massive shock, a huge, huge result for Oregon and the Pac-12 conference as a whole. Obviously, you know, doesn't get the greatest of reps yeah, each and every year. But yeah, once uh, we get a couple of nice results out West, the nation's got to sit up and take notice and you know obviously we need to play the Jews because you know the Pac-12's had a nice start to the season with some big results you know UCLA beating LSU and obviously Oregon now taking this one the uh you know there's a couple of other games that I'll maybe shout out a little bit later as well where the Pac-12 ran um at one particular result close um and I was expecting a little bit more from Washington who did come up short against Michigan so a great day for Michigan fans uh, with Ohio State getting beaten by Oregon and conversely, same thing for Oregon. Great day for Oregon fans as well, because obviously beating the Buckeyes in a huge shock result and then having your closest rival game whipped by Michigan. Fantastic result for both of those teams. So I'm sure they were enjoying their weekend um, <laughs> up and down the country there. So yeah, diving into this one then. I mean, I think there's been a bit of a fallout and I kind of said this in the wins and losers column when I took the uh, the losers that this one wasn't on CJ Stroud. I mean, he I think he made plays. You know, he made he threw the ball a lot. He threw the ball 54 times. But he put up almost 500 yards. He threw three touchdowns. Uh, Ohio State had three receivers that went over 100 yards. You know, Jackson, Smith and Jingber, Chris Olave, Garrett Wilson all played really, really well. And, you know, he was spreading the love and he was making big plays, you know. And as much as people will point to the late interception, it was ugly, as I kind of registered in the, in the winners and losers column. Um, on Monday yesterday, but that was, it wasn't the turning point of the game. So I, I don't think you can put this on such a young quarterback. I think some people just need something to write about and they want to write about Quinn Ewers coming in and playing for the Bucks. Um, but no, this wasn't on CJ Stroud. This was just a really good pump by Oregon, facing a lot of adversity. As mentioned before, the best player was on the sideline in street clothes and looking really fresh, actually, as well with his sunglasses on for most of the game, talking to Mario Cristobal. Uh, but no, the Ducks came to play and the Ducks running game in particular right behind CJ Vidal. He had himself an absolute day, uh, 161 yards and two touchdowns, two identical touchdowns as well, which I had to tweet out from the full-time yards CFB account. You know, with two kind of pulling players to the short side of the field, guard coming out in front, and he's just walking into the end zone. He also caught a touchdown as well. Um, so yeah, CJ Vidal having a great, great day. 
um, and really powering the Ducks to the uh, the victory over the Bucks, thirty five to twenty eight. Um, where they go from here, obviously Oregon had a bit of a iffy, I think I called it, result against um, Fresno State in week one. They got the W, but you know this really now makes it like a good win in the first week. You know, getting over that. You know, maybe I put them in the business-like category now. You know, it wasn't impressive in the first week, but, you know, last week I talked about business-like wins, and maybe you can just put that down to that, you know, getting over the hump, getting the win, and moving on to the next week, moving on to this really difficult game, and then overcoming that. And it actually looks like a really strong result for Oregon. Now, um, and obviously fourth in the AP Top 25 as well, so super, super high. Whether they'll stay there, it remains to be seen. But, you know, it's fantastic for me, as someone who loves the Pac-12, that we do have a you know a contender almost you know I don't know if they'll stay there as mentioned I don't know if Anthony Brown's a good enough quarterback to stay there all season and keep them there all season but this team um has got some moxie about it it's got some you know gamers in there and they can score points and you know maybe that's uh, it's a good thing because I was kind of saying that the defense is going to be the one driving this team and you know as much as Ohio State did put points you know they, they did bend and not break and you know won by a touchdown as well so it's 35 to 28 and we've reflected that in our top 25 as well we tweeted that out on Monday morning. And yeah, Oregon are up to fourth in our rankings as well. So, you know, some, some thoughts for Ohio State. They've got to go back. They've got to continue, you know, lick the wounds, go back and continue in the in the Big Ten and, uh, yeah, see where they go from here. And, you know, they've got a pretty easy game next week. I'm sure they can come back and still have a great season. But I wonder if this is going to be a game that maybe if Oregon run the table that keeps Ohio State out of the playoffs and Oregon in the playoffs because of this result. But we will never know until that actually comes. So, yeah, kind of eyes peeled to that one, I guess. So, yeah, no, really good result for Oregon. One to savour um, their weekend. Um, and, yeah, like, you know, not just this weekend, but for far, far beyond it as well. So, um, yeah, fantastic result. I'm going to move on then to Coastal Carolina. Now, I know we've been catching some heat on Twitter for our rankings. I did guarantee that the Chanticleers would win, and then I guaranteed that they'd be ranked. And now they are at 15th in our rankings now. Uh, and, the, you know, they, they played a Power 5 team, in name, I guess, Kansas, you know, Big 12 team coming in to Coastal Carolina, playing on the teal turf. And again, another real nice win for Coastal, 49 to 22. And just looking like they've got some NFL players on this roster, right? Because, you know, you've got Grayson McCall having a really, really efficient day. This offense just ticks along. Loads of options stuff, loads of counter plays. It's just cool offense to watch. It's just a real fun offense to watch. And they've got some real fun players as well. Running back Reese White having over 100 yards and three touchdowns. Uh, Javon Hiley, six receptions, 122 yards, a touchdown as well. And Isaiah Likely, who I called out on offense um, in the uh, in the earlier on in the week. And last week, I think it was on the podcast, maybe. I don't know. I can't remember. But it, I definitely shouted him out recently, saying that he's like an NFL guy. It might be in the TV preview, actually. Um, so, yeah, you've got Hiley and Likely. And this team is highly likely to be ranked come the end of the season. This might be, you know, if it wasn't for Cincinnati, maybe this is the best power. So a group of five teams that we've got. In college football right now so yeah it's a, just a really impressive impressive team um like i say lots of talent on this um it was quite close actually early on with the game with kansas you know it was uh, seven to nine after the first quarter uh coastal then ripped off 21 points in the second quarter just to put a bit of daylight in between themselves and the jayhawks uh, a couple of nice special teams players blocking a kick or two in this one as well to you know really put the the, the boot on the neck of kansas really and just uh, yeah then it just accelerated away Again, another sh um, close quarter, uh, seven apiece in the third, but then Coastal shutting out the Jayhawks in the fourth whilst scoring 14 points of their own. So, uh, yeah, no, it's a huge win. And like I say, they'll just continue to rise in the rankings. And 
and just continue to rise it in the hearts and minds of all college football fans, really. Like I said, they were the darlings of college football last year. We talked about them a lot on the podcast. Um, but, you know, we'll continue to do so because they are legit. They're a legit team. And, you know, thinking back to um, the expansion of the college football playoff, you know, if we're thinking about having a, you know, top best group of five team, like I say, it's going to be between Coastal and Cincinnati at this point. Although, you know, by that time, uh, Cincinnati might be in the Big 12. So, you know, if Coastal can keep this up and, um, you know, continue to kind of build that program and, and make it a real cornerstone, they could be in the college football playoff and they could be in the real shout, which, you know, will stick in the core of some people who like the, the format as it is now and having small teams isn't something they want. But, you know, like I say, I think it's really fun because I think this is a, it's a real fun team to watch. As I mentioned before, their offense is fantastic. Flipping over to defense, uh, fantastic um, performance by Josiah Stewart, three and a half sacks. And my guy, Jeffrey Gunter, also getting half a sack as well. I think he uh, he blocked or helped block one of the kicks as well that I mentioned earlier on special teams. So, um, yeah, no, nice uh, performance from there. And, you know, they're just looking like a Power 5 team in all but name now. Um, obviously, no, not everyone's going to get promoted or get moved to BA conferences. I don't want to start that conversation. But, he's uh, you know, these guys are definitely here to play. And hopefully, like I say, hopefully here to stay as well. So, um, yeah, one to watch out for in the coming weeks and months. I'm sure we'll be like talking about them a lot um, on the podcast and in articles and things like that, as we did last year, as mentioned before, just hopping up to 15th in our rankings now. So 15 out of 25, it's not bad, uh, two weeks into the season. So, yeah, as we mentioned, going to be keeping a close eye on those Chanticleers over the next few weeks. Moving on then to the Iowa Derby. Hawkeye's taking this one 27 to 17. And really, that doesn't really give it the full reflection, I don't think. Um, Iowa State were in a bit of a, well, a state uh, for most of the game. Brock Purdy was benched, three interceptions, didn't play well at all. And I mentioned it in the losers part of the column on Monday. Again, uh, they're just, their defensive foul just not hitting, not hitting the right notes. Brock Purdy, as mentioned, bench, Brees Hall, fine, but not like, you know, not killing it like we said he would. Uh, Xavier Hutchinson and Charlie Cole have also had pretty slow starts to the season. So, uh, yeah, the only player who's thrown a touchdown for Iowa State at the moment is Hunter Deckers, who you know threw on this uh, this past Saturday, and it was when the game was gone, really. Like I say before, Iowa had kind of, you know, just put out some, some depth guys, and they knew that they were home and hosed by the time that touchdown was thrown. So, uh, yeah, nice win for the Hawkeyes, really. And, you know, this is a team that doesn't have the star power that you would think, you know, like a big program. They're up to, they're really high in the uh, the AP poll now. You know, they're up to fifth. So, this we're talking that they're above Clemson and above Texas A&M, two more glamorous sort of programs, guys and teams that you'd expect to be ranked for that high. But Iowa at the minute, number five. I know it's early days, number seven for us, so slightly, slightly lower. Um, but yeah, this team just gets it done. I mean, this defense is stingy. I think it goes back to 2018, November 2018, the last time they gave up 25 points or more. Um, they, they just hold people down and, you know, they just do enough each time to win a uh, real kind of like, you know, grinder team, but not, you know, not full of star talent. We like Tyler Goodson, the running back for Iowa. Uh, I'm a big fan of Sam LaPorta as well. I think he's an unselfish player. Uh, and Spencer Petras, you know, he's not, not everyone's cup of tea, uh, but he just, just just does enough each time. I think he only threw 100 or so yards of touchdown as well. Um, one for you, I mean, I've got to kind of, you know, put some things out there to the listeners. Um I think we had a message from Andy in the group chat over the weekend saying, is Tyler Goodson being better than Bryce, uh, Brees Hall? A bold take, of which I and maybe one or two other people said yes. 
but we like I said, we do like uh, Tyler Goodson. I think he's a really good player, really fun player to watch. Um, took on the bulk of the workload, 21 carries, only got 55 yards and a touchdown. But he's that that go-to guy in this offense uh, for the Hawkeyes because you know, apart from spreading it around to a few people, the three players had two receptions for Iowa on the weekend. So Spence Petrus is really like you know spreading that love around, but he's got no star. You know, Inner Smith Marset has now gone to the NFL, so he's not obviously being that star go-to receiver, and they just don't have that at the minute. So how long and how far that will take Iowa? You know, lacking that real star power, I don't know. But you know, as their in-state rivals can attest to, as I just mentioned, having this star power does not give you a guarantee that you know it's all going to kick off and it's all going to kind of be a rosy in the garden because, you know, the Cyclones, uh, you know, offensive talent isn't hitting the high notes, as I mentioned before, and it is becoming a bit of a grind. I'm sure Iowa State will sort it out. Matt Campbell's a great coach, as we mentioned before, but, uh, you know, I'm sure they'll sort it out, but not firing all cylinders right now. And, uh, yeah, it's not been a great start to the season for the Cyclones, but, yeah, again, one to watch for the future. Flipping it over um, to another big 12 team, Texas, um, well, soon to be SEC matchup, I guess this one between Arkansas and Texas didn't go the way of the Longhorns. The Razorbacks were excellent from what I've seen in this game. They really kind of ran the show. They were quite dominant. It really, it really stuck out to me as the Arkansas team are a team kind of on the up. As we've kind of mentioned before a few times on the podcast, they're a team that kind of knows what they're about. They've been the same kind of uh, coaching staff for quite a lot little while. You know, Felipe Franks, who we've shouted out, he uh, he kind of brought a bit of attention to the program. And now they've brought in, or they've got in another quarterback who's playing really well. Like KJ Jefferson, um, a couple of people really shouting him out. I know Andy's a big fan, big fan of the Arkansas team as a, you know as a whole. Um, Arkansas, uh, sorry, Andy has uh, compared KJ Jefferson to Vince Young, so obviously quite poignant considering this is a Texas team that he's just beaten. And I know in commentary they were comparing him to Cam Newton at his best as well. So you know KJ Jefferson is a big guy, six foot three. I think he's about two forty five as well. So you know when he really gets motoring, he, he is that kind of freight train of a quarterback that can kind of move and can kind of do things. And he's a real problem again with some options and things like that that he's doing some zone reads. And he's really setting off down the field. He wrapped up 73 yards on 10 carries. And he also threw for another 138 yards. And again, quite accurate. You know, 14 from 19. Uh, 14 out of 19 passes completed. Didn't throw a touchdown, threw an interception. But, you know, he's getting the job done. And, you know, Arkansas, like I say, just looked pretty dominant the whole time. Um, they, they, they've got a great wide receiver in Traylon Burks. But they don't kind of, like, ram it down his throat. He got five receptions, 34. So not... A huge stat line. It was mainly done on the ground for Arkansas on the weekend with a whole bunch of guys just kind of contributing. Uh, I think it's four or five receivers that went over, sorry, five, four or five running backs went over 50 yards, including KJ Jefferson. And, you know, obviously the other side to Texas. This is a new program under Steve Sarkeesian who, you know, still figuring things out. And especially at quarterback with, uh, with Hudson Card, who was benched for Casey Thompson. Um, about halfway through the game, neither really impressed. Case Thompson has been given a start next week. So as I mentioned, I think uh, Steve Sarkeesian is kind of just figuring things out there, seeing who he's got under centre. He's got two young quarterbacks here, two highly rated quarterbacks, two talented quarterbacks, but he doesn't know who's the best kind of guy to go forward with. Cards had a game and a half, maybe Thompson will get you know, the next week and then he'll kind of take it from there and name maybe a permanent starter moving on. Um, Bijan Robinson was a little bit quiet this week. Uh, didn't really get into the kind of dominant mode that he was last week. One catch for four yards and 19 runs for 69. But he did score a touchdown as well. 
but just kind of just says it all really that this is an Arkansas team that kind of knows what they're doing and can help hold Texas uh, to just 21 points while putting up 40 of their own. Just kept the scoreboard ticking over, you know, didn't mind taking a field goal if needs be. Um, and yeah, just kind of put together a real professional performance. And also afterwards, something I really actually enjoyed was Arkansas's social media team having a bit of a pop at, at Texas saying welcome to the league. Um, with the W and putting up quite a lot of funny video as well. So yeah, head over to Arkansas social channels and you'll be able to see both of those little things, which I really like. Obviously, I'm a Chargers fan, so I'm expecting high things and good things from social media teams and to have a little bit of fun is always good as long as it's good-humoured. Um, so yeah, nice one from the Arkansas Razorbacks. And like I say, a team uh, they're definitely in the ascendancy. The next game I want to talk about, uh, yeah, I'm going to stick in Texas um, for one of my teams. So, obviously, the Colorado Buffaloes went over, or sorry, welcomed Texas A&M to uh, Denver Stadium, the Mile High Stadium. And uh, it was tough. It was really tough. It ended up 10-7, which doesn't sound like a great game. doesn't sound like the sort of game that I should be talking about, really. But this was a real fascinating watch. I thought that, you know, Texas A&M should definitely come and win this before the game. Colorado, fairly average Pac-12 team. But, you know, they made it really tough for them. Maybe the environment, the altitude, making it tough for Texas A&M as well. But, you know, Texas A&M just made it a bit of a struggle. You know, early on, Haynes King got injured. He's got a broken ankle. I'm going to come on to injuries a little bit later on. But, yeah, he's broken his ankle, so he's going to be out for a little bit. Zach Calzada came in. Didn't really look the part. Didn't really impress me too much, if I'm going to be completely honest. Uh, was pretty inaccurate, some real wayward throws through a touchdown, but you know, not very accurate, not really connecting the dots and completing at a high rate. Uh, Texas A&M really relied on the run game with uh, Devin Arcane rather than Isaiah Spiller, which was kind of kind of strange. Uh, Jalen Weidemeyer that was their top receiver with 66 yards. Isaiah Spiller closer behind, who did actually catch a touchdown as well, but again, not really kind of using these running backs in the way that we kind of expected. You know, Anaya Smith again, not really getting that many runs. Only got four touches overall with three catches and, a, and then a run as well, and didn't really have that much of an impact on the game. Um, it, like I said, it, considering the scoreline, it was a real disjointed performance. Uh, Brandon Lewis, the Colorado quarterback, he's a freshman. Again, didn't look like the the polished kind of finished product by any stretch of the imagination. He looks pretty useful with his legs, and Jarek Broussard and Alex Fontenot looks pretty useful with the ball in hand as well. And Colorado's running game was actually quite fun. You know, they they were using like a, a diverse mixture of backs. They were causing Texas A&M a lot of problems. Demarvin Leal um, was, you know, he was enforcing on that defensive line, but I don't think he had too much help. Um, so yeah, the uh, the Buffaloes were able to do whatever they wanted for a period of the game, but they just can't get it over the line. You know, they scored a touchdown in the first quarter and then didn't score for the rest of the game. Um, Texas A&M took it late. Um, this was 7-3 for a long, long time. Like I say, without the points being there, this was a real fascinating game. So, you know, head over wherever you get your highlights and, uh, yeah, have a check this, have a check of this one out because it was a real fun one to watch uh, despite it being well scoring. Um, but two young quarterbacks kind of figuring things out a little bit, I think. Um, so, uh, not the, like I say, not the most entertaining if you wanted just points being put up all the time. But, uh, yeah, a real, a real battle. And it was a real fun watch actually quite late on. <laughs> So, yeah, that kind of wraps up the, the main games that I kind of want to talk about. And um, they're, they're the kind of headliners for me. I don't know if you guys kind of thought the same. Obviously, if you've all got your own teams, then you probably want me to talk about those guys. So I'll just kind of maybe run through a few shout-outs. Like I mentioned before, Michigan beating Washington. This was a, a big game, real big game. It was one for the Pac-12. Maybe, you know, at that point, the Pac-12 wanted to kind of like build upon Oregon's win and, you know, maybe put together a great week. But, yeah, Washington couldn't, you know, win over another Big Ten foe. 
And the Wolverines really were quite dominant. It was their ground ground game. Blake Corum just ripped them apart. 171 yards on the ground, three touchdowns, 21 carries. Hassan Haskins as well, 27 carries, 155 yards on a TG. Took the pressure off Caden McNamara, who wasn't great. He only threw 44 yards and <laughs> completed just over, sorry, just under half his passes at 7.15. So not great through the air. I expect that to be the case with a young quarterback and Washington's defense. Um, but the, the Tuskies just couldn't get it together. They weren't great. They couldn't run the ball. They couldn't get any pressure on the, the on the quarterback. And they obviously couldn't stop the run either. So, yeah, worrying times for Washington, obviously, had losing to Montana in the first week. And then, admittedly, against a much better opponent this week. But they couldn't get anything done. Lost 31-10. to 10, uh, And didn't really, like I say, didn't really look like they were doing much this, this uh, week. And, you know, it's putting them in a hole because as much as, um, you know, they've they've got an easy game next week against Arkansas State. Then they get into their Pac-12 program, of which they've still got to play UCLA, Arizona State, Oregon, and they've also got Washington State in the uh, traditional season finale. So, you know, a lot can happen in those games. This could be a real poor season for Washington if they don't kind of book the ride it is up nice and early because, you know, those are some tough games that we've got coming up. Very quickly, shout out Jacksonville State. We mentioned it um, on Saturday morning on, on Twitter. We posted a clip of it. Jacksonville State getting a walk-off touchdown to beat Andy's FSU. Um, obviously, he's not here for me to, to rip into him too much, but uh, you know, we'll maybe save that up for next week. But um, you know, he's sounded quite chipper. I don't know if his tone will be a little bit more downbeat again uh, for FSU next week, but we will see. Um, easy, some easy cupcake wins. You know, it's week two. There's plenty of cupcakes knocking around. Kieran was not happy, unsurprisingly, about LSU's offense. Uh, they beat McNessie State, but you know, didn't look pretty by all accounts. He was quite unhappy about that one, but it's a win nonetheless. You know, and you got to take what you can get. Um, especially when you've had a poor result against LS, uh, against UCLA uh, a couple of weeks ago. Um, Alabama beat Mercer. Clemson beat South Carolina State. These are kind of just the, the cupcakes that I'm kind of talking about. Ole Miss beat Austin P. And, you know, and by all accounts, Matt Corral looking really nice. And then kind of the biggest cupcake of the lot, perhaps, with San Diego State beating Arizona. Um, elsewhere, Notre Dame made really difficult work on Toledo. Uh, Toledo kind of hanging on towards the end, thinking they were going to win. Um, and I know Ed's got an article coming out tomorrow, Tuesday, as I'm recording this on the Monday evening. Um, that will be out around the same time as the podcast as well. So if you want to read about Notre Dame, uh, then, you know, in the kind of bizarre kind of fashion that they're in, kind of maybe typified by this game, then you can read Ed's article that should be out on fulltimeyards.com uh, by the time you can hear this podcast. Um, late or early, depending on your alarm preferences, Bingham Young University BYU beating Utah in the Holy War, which um, yeah was more comfortable than I thought. You know, I thought in our TV preview that Utah were going to take this one. I thought they were the better team, but you know, I ended up with egg on my face for not the first time this year. But yeah, BYU winning the Holy War and yeah, upsetting upsetting Utah. Um, Utah could have been going ten straight over BYU, but BYU stops the streak and uh, yeah, hopefully starts one of their own from their point of view. And then lastly. Out west again. Just want to shout out Stanford for beating US USC because Stanford haven't really got a great deal of respect from us, especially me. Um, over the you know the past few weeks and months since we we're previewing the season, things like that, I didn't think Stanford were up for a good season. I know that um our friend Simon Cowell had them to have in seven wins. He uh you know his Pac-12 preview, he had them winning seven. So maybe you know I don't know if that, that's still a little bit rich for me. I'm not going to lie, but you know this is a bit a win that I didn't expect Stanford to get. Uh, USC, wow, I mean, they've got a few problems, haven't they, you know? I don't know if it just boils down just to all the quarterback, because, you know, Caden Slovis wasn't accurate again, you know, just didn't complete a lot of the passes. They don't seem to have any running game at the minute either. Keontae Ingram's come over, and he's just not been it, I guess. 
um, you know, and Vivian Malapai again, just not kind of just like a short yardage back and just kind of churner, no real kind of like traits that are going to get him drafted or anything like that. Drake London had another quiet game. I don't know if uh, I'm going to go enough for boil a little bit with Drake. You know, it's four receptions, 68 a touchdown. I don't know. I don't know, man. It's just it's difficult for USC. It's difficult to get excited about them. Clay Helton. Not the greatest coach in the world as well. But, uh, yeah, we want to kind of give props to Stanford anyway. 42 points to 28. Uh, Tanner McKee, pretty efficient. Uh, 16 out of 23 passes completed. Uh, 234 yards, two TDs. And Nathaniel Pete running things on the ground. Just six carries, but got 115 yards with them. And a touchdown as well. And it just looked like from from kind of what I have seen in this game, that USC were kind of dominating the ball but couldn't punch it in and Stanford's kind of defence was stepping up and then they were scoring quite quickly and, and kind of putting up uh, numbers as well. Like I say, 42 points, so kind of racking up quite a lot. Not not too many punts in this game, but yeah, time possession uh, was quite heavily in favour of USC for this one. So uh, yeah, kind of, kind of like I say, props to Stanford really for that one. Uh, and yeah, those are the games that I kind of want to shout out. Um, we didn't. We kind of wanted to work in uh, Stanford into U and USC into the winners and losers, but we didn't quite kind of get over the line with that one. So just kind of wanted to make sure that I mentioned them uh, in this kind of little section here, just giving shout outs to other games. Uh, but yeah, plenty of other obviously results going on as well. I kind of mentioned earlier on that I wanted to mention about injuries. I've uh, just got a couple of injuries just to kind of make everyone aware of. Like I said before, Haynes King out now with a broken ankle, probably going to miss a good few weeks for Texas A&M. How that curtails their season it's going to make it really interesting obviously you've got like oregon you've got iowa that are above them now in the top 25 for the aep poll and you know how that's going to affect them are they going to be able to get things done in the sec with zach calzada under center i would question that personally so we'll see how it goes for them another team that we're kind of talking up on the pod um going to be missing their quarterback um for a little while at least per phil jerkovich's instagram He's got a big cast and bandage on his wrist or hand and thinks he's going to be out for a little bit as well. So Boston College in a little bit of trouble. You know, they're rising up the rankings again after a nice start to the season. Are they going to, um, you know, have problems getting over the line in a few games with Phil Jerkovic out? Obviously plenty of talent on that one, as we saw in Jake's article that we kind of, when he was talking about his sporting cast, if you've not read that one, go over to WaltonYards.com and have a look if Phil Jerkovic is the quarterback that can lead them to the ball game, as Jake was asking. Um, whether he can do that to this year, I don't know because I don't know how long he's going to be out for, but he's definitely going to think he's going to be out for at least a few weeks. So, kind of again, the eyes peeled to that one, one to watch for the future for sure. And then, last one, unfortunately, we've lost James Mitchell, uh, Virginia Tech's tight end. He's done for the year. I think it's a knee injury, if memory serves. One that was going to be definitely talked about for the draft. Um, he's a junior, so he's still got his senior year to come back and kind of build upon his draft stock. But hopefully, he can make a full recovery. But yeah, James Mitchell, Virginia Tech tight end, done for the year. So yeah, that wraps up like the injuries. Um, and we just got to kind of hope that we keep those to the minimum. Just kind of want to keep you guys updated with those injuries there. Um, but yeah, we'll move on then and just finish up the pod. Uh, just by looking ahead to next week, week three. God, we're already there. Week three, we're in the full swing now of the college football season. Obviously, right at the top, your headliner is number one, Alabama versus number 11, Florida. Um, don't expect um, anything but fireworks for this one. It's going to be a nice SEC matchup. Um, you know, it's a bit of a banana skin game potentially for Alabama, but I don't expect it. I'm not. I'm. I've done with kind of, you know, talking Alabama down for their starts of the season. To be fair, in week one, after I spent a little bit of time preseason kind of talking them down, maybe saying this is going to be a transition, things like that. I'm not doubting Nick Saban anymore. I'm not, I'm not going there at all. So yeah, that one potentially going to be a great game in the SEC. 
flight up your Saturday night next week. And another nice matchup between two ranked teams will be Penn State, number 10, and Auburn, number 22. Uh, Penn State in our rankings are a little bit lower. They're number 12. And Auburn are not ranked at all by looks things. Just flicking through that. No, they're not ranked at all. So um, we obviously rate these teams a little bit lower than the AP does. But uh, yeah, should, nonetheless, it should still be a great matchup again to, to kind of get your teeth into on Saturday night. Um, elsewhere and kind of lower down the rankings, I guess. I guess we've got a nice uh, local rivalry match between Virginia Tech and West Virginia. Um, obviously not a uh, conference rivalry or anything like that, but obviously a nice local rivalry uh, to get your teeth into. Again, it uh, should be a nice matchup if you can get that somewhere. Uh, between two teams that, yeah, just not big fans of each other, let's just say that. If you do want a nice uh, divisional matchup and a conference matchup, then you've got UNC and Virginia, obviously a coastal division game in that division. Uh, Virginia have had a nice start to the season, 2-0, and and UNC obviously wanted to call back after their opening day loss. They won this weekend, so they're 1-1 for opening the season up with a you know a split over the first two weeks. So hopefully they'll be kind of wanting to get on the motor here, but that should be a nice matchup between two teams that should be uh, having from the line, obviously going for that divisional title, along with like Pitt and obviously Virginia Tech as well, have had a nice start to the season over there. And out west for your late games, uh, San Diego State, again, chatted about earlier, they've won both of their games, they're matching up against Utah, who are one on one Utah again, kind of in a little bit like Washington situation a little bit, where they'll want to kind of get out of the hole, obviously losing to BYU wasn't on their kind of to-do list or their plan. So they'll want to kind of come out and they'll want to put away San Diego State. But San Diego State usually a bit, pretty, bit a bit of a sticky defense that you don't really want to play, kind of an awkward opponent. Uh, so Utah will definitely want to bounce back with a win, and that'll be a nice win for them if they can get it. Uh, so yeah, nice, uh, nice matchup there out west, as I mentioned. And then lastly, again, remaining in the Mountain and Pacific time zones, uh, BYU is going to Arizona State, both unbeaten. Both looking to add another win to their resume. It'll be another impressive win for either of these teams as they look to kind of really cement their good starts the season uh, with you know going 3-0 and whoever kind of comes out on top of that one so those are your kind of um, headline acts for next week uh, next weekend and obviously we'll be covering a few of those in our tv preview that will be coming up uh, you know just before the weekend as we've been going out every week for you guys and, and keeping up to date with all the the goings on on your tally box uh, for your college football just to kind of leads me into kind of just finishing off with the kind of articles that we've got coming out this week we're going to have, uh, obviously I mentioned before, Ed's article coming out on the Tuesday with regards to Notre Dame. Real nice read about how they're kind of a bit of a bizarre team these days. Um, and Ed's kind of got a unique style on that one, so it should be a really entertaining article. Um, later in the week, like I mentioned, we're going to have the TV preview. But before that, we should have some stuff coming out on rookies in the NFL. Obviously, the NFL starting just this weekend. And uh, yeah, obviously kind of reviewing and maybe getting some rookie rankings from Raj and maybe someone else is going to kind of bring us something up. So we've got maybe a few things in the pipeline this week. Um, not too sure if Keith's going to be able to get some scouting notes out. I think he has been a little bit busy, so I'm not sure if we're going to get that. But, you know, keep your eyes peeled for those. Those should be, you know, semi-regular at the very, very least. Hopefully we're going to get one out every week for you guys as well. Um, and that should about wrap us up. Um, you know, so keep your eyes peeled on our Twitter. Um, engagement with you guys has been brilliant. I think we've all been absolutely loving the engagement that you've been giving us um, over the past few weeks, you know, with our rankings that we've been bringing out, with our articles, and just with all the fun conversations that we've been having about college football. So, uh, yeah, hopefully uh, you enjoyed this podcast. Just a little review from me on week two. We'll be back next week with the same thing for week three, and hopefully I will have some company. <laughs> so, yeah, we'll, we'll see you then. But, yeah, thanks for listening. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Full 10 Yards. Thank you for tuning into the Full 10 Yards College Football Podcast. We have-
some great information and some great content for you guys. Keep on flying that flag.